C.S. Lewis would not recognize what churches are bringing, are importing into their organizations. Augustine would not recognize it. Aquinas, like the patristics, the medieval scholars, the reformers would not recognize it. And I, I, um, so all that to say, yeah, like this is a major reason why we're, we've created to ask you is because yeah. I was living in ground zero and watching yeah. these things happen in New York. And I was going, oh, my God, like it, 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 it's, as far as I'm concerned, Hillsong New York City became an activist club. Mm. And wow. particularly the last two years, wow. and you know, like, it, and and it stopped being a church. There are few, if any, people like Nathan Finocchio in the world, and talking to him was like—I mean, you just almost like you're going to hear the conversation. It was like, I don't really even know where this conversation is going because Nathan's mind runs a mile a minute and he's so brilliant, so smart, so creative, so fascinating, and so kind of like offbeat as you're going to hear um, that it was tremendous. Nathan, who is uh, one of the founders of Theos U, Theos Seminary, like the Netflix of, of Bible and theological education, um, you're going to hear all about it, but go check it out, especially if you if you have the desire to learn more about our faith, learn more about the Bible and theology. Nathan's your guy, but you're also going to hear him um, talk quite a bit about, um, you know, like megachurch ministry. He served for quite a while at Hillsong, New York City, which if you're if you're not familiar, Hillsong, New York City used to be led by a guy named Carl Lentz. Um, who recently has gone through quite a scandal um, in his own personal life. Um, Nathan and I don't really discuss that too much in this. We mention it, but that's not what this episode was about. Um, but, but Nathan speaks quite honestly about some of the things that were going on at Hillsong and, and, and some of the culture there that he wasn't pleased with. And, um, and so you're going you're gonna to hear about that. You're going to hear about um, like this liberal progressive Christianity that we have bubbling up to the surface right now in American uh, evangelicalism. And he, he very much, even though he's a guy that like, if you just looked at him, you would say, okay, he's Gen, he's right there with Gen Z. He fits into, you know, this caricature of, of Gen Z and like cynical Christianity that leads to progressive Christianity. But, but Nathan is, is heralding true Orthodox Christianity in the face of a liberal progressive Christianity, which in his opinion, um, the, the church fathers and people like Augustine and Thomas Aquinas um, wouldn't know if they saw it. So you're going to hear all about that. And and I'm just excited for you to hear. He's a super interesting guy, super interesting guy. And if you don't already follow him, go follow him and Theosu on Instagram. Their links are in the bio. And then go check out uh, Theosu. Consider maybe even, maybe you're like me and you look at Netflix and you're like, I only watch like one show on Netflix. Maybe since they took The Office off Netflix, you haven't even logged on to Netflix in quite a while. And maybe that would be money better spent on a monthly subscription to Theos U. And the fact that, you, you know, like I know that you feel guilty because I said that you said, I haven't, I don't know the last time I logged on to Netflix. Well, if that's you, go sign up for Theos U. Tell them all things all people sent you. I have no deal with them. I'm not sponsored by them, but tell them ATAP sent you and let's see if we can get something worked out with them. Um, but you know what? All that aside, all that aside, uh, that, that's, a, that's a tough sell. Um, all that aside, I'm excited for you to th- hear this conversation. Um, because I, I've had, you know, I don't know, like over 50 interviews at this point for the show. 
and it's hard to pick my favorite one, but this was one of my favorite ones because it was a good time talking to our Christian thinker for this week, Nathan Binocchio. Let's do it. My next guest is the founder and president of Theos U and Theos Seminary. He has been at various times a teaching pastor as well as a worship leader and songwriter for the band The Royal Royal with his brother Gabriel. So go check that out. Along with constantly being found teaching and preaching at well-known conferences and churches, he is the author of Hearing God, Eliminating Myths, Encountering Meaning, and perhaps most interestingly, likely the first guest I've ever had who has been featured on Preachers and Sneakers. So it's my honor to have on the show, Nathan Finocchio. Nathan, thanks for making time to do this. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> how often, of all of the impressive things you've done, how often is it Preachers and Sneakers now that gets brought up? Um, you know, it's funny. A guy yesterday, uh, like, tagged me in like a, yeah, in like a, a year old, you know, on my <laughs> on Instagram. It was like going at me. You're a false prophet. You know, da, 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 da. it was awesome. I, I love people like that. Yeah. Um, and, um, no, it's, it's been, it's been a while for sure. Um, that's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Like, have you seen prophets and watches? Yes. Yeah. Dude, that is next level. Okay. So like, okay. Pardon me. And my, my, my Gucci slippers that were $1,100 that, that, we're a going away present. Yeah. I was making $40,000 a year mm -hmm. in, in Manhattan. Yeah. And, and the which is like $20,000 everywhere else in the world. Totally. Exactly. Like it was insane. My wife and I, so when I got featured on sneakers and preachers, my wife and I were busting a gut. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, well, what does it say about, know. what does it say about our culture too? And I mean, say what you will, we can do another podcast about how, Christian leadership should be with money, but how funny is it that just when someone wear, I'm like, I think these people think they're pointing out Pharisees, but also like you're pointing at someone's shoes and being like, obviously they're a heretic. And I'm like, I don't think that a plus B equals C in this case. <laughs> like uh, no, it says, I think it says a lot about our culture. All of, all of my close friends, you know, when, when I got featured on sneakers and preachers, they were loving it. Because it was like, because they knew, they knew, they knew how broke we were. Yeah. Well, what's funny too is all the other guys, like all of the other guys that you see on that that Insta, um, are like pretty famous. You know what I mean? Obviously, these are guys yeah. are well known, and then and then there you are, and I'm like, yeah. you started the Netflix of Bible study and theological education. Like, how rich do you think he is? Right. You know, I don't know, man. People are people are funny, but you know. Um, I'm I'm glad we started with that because it does set a nice tone that, you know, you did, you have done quite a bit, you know, I, if somebody follows you on Instagram and social media, which they should, um, they're going to see you doing anything from uh, riding a scooter and kind of giving a, a, a nice sermonette um, while riding a scooter or see a graphic promoting you teaching at Bethel out in Reading or the really cool stuff that you're doing with Theos U and the seminary with your brother and a bunch of other people. So I guess just before, before we get into anything else for the, for the folks that don't know who you are, as opposed to just hearing me talk about Theos U and, and what you guys do, um, how, how did you get to that point where you were trying to be the, the Netflix of theology and being exhaustive, not exhausting and teaching the Bible online? Yeah. Right. So, so I, I, I went to Hills, um, 
Hillsong, New York City. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of those people. Um, and we, <laughs> uh, I think it was about 10 or 11 years ago, uh, Joel Houston and, and Car- Joel Houston was a friend of mine and Carl Lentz, they asked me to come and be a part of this church they were going to be starting. Um, and um, I was looking to, to do music at the time I was in this mm-hmm. band, you know, the Royal Royal. And, um, and long story short, um, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking at it as an opportunity, uh, you know, of, hey, you know, like I need, I want to I leave Canada, uh, you know, leave my dad's church, which I was a youth pastor at the time. And I want to do this music thing full time. And I was saying, man, if I moved to New York, that could be a great base in America because America is sort of you know, the place where you, you go to do Christian worship music because that's you know, that's where that's where the, you know the churches are. There's, there's nothing really in Canada, and um, so that's that was kind of the the uh, the genesis of, of the move. I moved there and I was leading worship for about four years, um, and then I came on staff, and um, the, the the Royal Royal stuff kind of began to. Uh, you know, just, just things it just wasn't working the way that you know I thought it was going to work, and and I kind of needed a job, and so uh, and and Carl, Carl and Joel wanted somebody to come and start an evening college, essentially, which is like Bible teaching on a Monday night because we had a ton of people getting saved, you know, the church, and just you know a giant back door. You know, like mm-hmm. pe- 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 people weren't, it's the challenge of any growing church is discipleship, right? Yeah. right? And, and so I was, they knew that I was passionate about theology um, and they knew that I kind of needed a job. And so kind of as a favor and as, as a need, they hired me and they're like, hey, would you just, they just do this, do, you know, just, you know, teach. And so, and, and Carl let me, gave me carte blanche to, to teach whatever I wanted, which is pretty amazing. Um, so I developed, well, developed. You know, I I, um, I put together you know about fourteen Bible college classes, and I distilled them you know from let's say thirty six lecture hours or whatever to about you know fourteen lecture hours. Um, so you know, take the Book of Romans and you know and 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 you know read Doug Moo and mm-hmm. John Calvin and Ben Witherington and N.T. Wright and all the cool guys, yeah. um, and you know then they just put you put the material together and then you speak it and people would pay about a hundred bucks and then they'd come, you know, for seven Monday nights in a row and I'd lecture for two hours. Um, and you know, we filled the room. It was amazing. You know, about 250, 300 people who like didn't know anything about, you know, anything. And I took them through, you know, about, we did about four. So over, over a period of about four years, we did, uh, these 14 classes. So new Testament survey, old Testament survey, you know, Jesus and the Gospels, mm-hmm. uh, Book of Romans, Book of Hebrews, um, all that good stuff. And um, after, uh, and, and then about three years ago, Joel Houston and myself uh, felt like we, um, just our time in New York had kind of come to an end. And uh, there was a bit of, uh, you know, on, on, on Joel's end, I think that he was just trying to figure out what, what was next for him. Um, and so he was, he was thinking kind of on a global scale, you know, like I want to help him. I want to do, do some more creative projects. And, um, and so he, uh, he, he, him and I kind of talked and I was like, man, I, I'm feeling like, like New York is, there, there's a shift in me. I, I don't want to be here anymore. I, I want to do some other things and I'm not exactly sure what they are, but 
just New York was just not, you know, I, I didn't want to be a campus pastor. That was sort of like the next rung on the right. ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just, I'm not a campus pastor. I'm not that guy. And even within the organization, I was a, I was a bit of a, an oddball, you know, like at, at Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so all that to say, you know, Joel and I and our friend, my friend Dylan, uh, who plays for Hillsong United, he's a guitar yeah. player. We all left and we came out to the West Coast. We moved to, you know, Costa Mesa. And and I was, I had no income. I wasn't working for Hillsong anymore. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I had a couple invitations, you know. I had, I'd get an invitation once a month and, and I'd go and speak. And, you know, people would give me money for that. And, and that was starting to happen more. And I had a book that came out. And um, so I just started to speak itinerantly. It's, it's, it's like, you know, I, I just, the door in, in New York, I, I can't explain it. it it's, it's probably just the leading of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't really, it wasn't like a spiritual thing where I prayed about it and fasted and the Lord took me out of New York. I just, it was like a shift, and, and a, you know, so and I just left and then the Lord began to open doors. And so then I'm, you know, then you're, um, you know, when you're traveling in ministry and all of your income is is from is from, from speaking at yeah. churches, and you never know the next time you're going to get paid. Right. I mean, like, uh, but we were so used to, you know, like I said, we we weren't we were making peanuts in, in Manhattan, and my wife and I learned to be uh, abased. Um, you know, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and we <laughs> literally that's the context of that verse is to be broke. And you can do, you can be broke, you yeah. know, like, yeah. and, and the Lord taught us how to be, you know, like we never went into debt. We never, um, we always, you know, we, we ate tin spaghetti, you know, at times and, and, um, and we, uh, but we learned to, to, you know, but the Lord always took care of us. And, and so we, we sort of just, you know, had faith that, 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 you know, God had provided for us. He was going to provide for us. And so, so, but, but I was thinking to myself at the same time, you know, after, um, after Hills on New York, like, man, I need to create something, you know, like that, some sort of income, but it's not a church. I don't want to be a pastor. Like, I'm just not, I, I don't think that I'm a pastor. Maybe one day I'll be a pastor, but right now I just don't see it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, um, but I, so I had this idea, I was, th- I was with my brother-in-law and we were working on this a, a side project, a music side project that, I, that that's called Voyager that, that I do. And and I was like, Brian, um, he's married to my sister. Brian, I'm like, I'm like what do we, um, dude? Because we were trying out, just like we we're spitballing. I'm like, what if what if I, you know, a lot of people wanted to take my Bible college courses, like the, or the, the evening college courses that I wrote when I was in New York. A lot of people wanted to to watch them, but they were never, you know, filmed. What if, what if I just, like, I have all the, the, the curriculum written and Gabe had been doing the same thing in his church oh. and he was no longer in their employee. And I'm like, what if we just started a thing and we, you know, and people subscribe to it and they can watch the courses as much as they want. And they can, you know what I mean? What if we did something like that? Mm-hmm. And we were, we were in Australia at the time. Um, I was, I was with my, my, my in-laws um, living for free there and, um, just making music in their in their backyard in, um, in their little casita, and uh, so that that's the genesis of it. The long and the short of it is mm. is that um, it was a it was a just this thing that we already you know created, yeah. and then we and, and then we just I just announced it, you know, like yeah. you know, hey everybody on my Instagram, like 
um, I'm going to just put my teachings, you know, from from uh, evening college that I you know, that I've written, and you know, it's going to be uh, eleven dollars a month, and you can watch them as many times. And we're going to try to create a new course every month. Yeah. Um, and then people started to 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 watch them, and and I, we we were we were we were just as shocked. Like so, right now I think we have about forty. Four thousand six hundred and like eighty-seven subscribers. Yeah, um, about fifteen hundred plus of them are pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, like th- at churches. Um, so there's like now there's like this network now that's been created of Theosu. You know, people. You know, and and we we in addition to uh, every month, you know, creating a, a, a new course, we have a um, kind of like we call it a hot topic, and it's like kind of an apologetic type thing. Right. You know, and um. But yeah, my, my heart behind it, man, was my heart behind it was just, you know, when I was living in New York, I never, um, there's two needs that I saw. The first need that I saw was that most of our staff in New York City had never gone to Bible college. Sure. Like, and that's actually, a, there's a, like, a lot of pastors have never been to Bible college. Right, yeah. Like, and, um, and then, uh, so number one, and then number two, um, theological training is is expensive. I, you know, I came from um, you know, I'm from a blue collar family, man. Like, so you know, my my parents, my mom is seventh of eight, and my dad is eight of eight. You know, mm. poor Irish Italian. You know, uh, on my dad's side, and then uh, and then poor Irish. You know, English on my mom's side. You know, and, and from Hamilton, Ontario, which is like the armpit of Canada, it's like Pittsburgh or Buffalo. It's uh-huh. you know, it's a steel town, and and uh, you know, so 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 my, my my parents weren't able to pay for uh, Bible college. Like I went to Bible mm-hmm. college in Portland, Oregon, and uh, you know, they 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 were able to like the, their contribution was they bought us a ticket, an, an, an airline <laughs> yeah. ticket. You know, like, yeah. I think it was on my dad's points or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked you know, night shifts through Bible college and, and, um, but it, it's like, you know, access to theological training is it's even, even then, like, and it wasn't a really expensive school, but it was, it was a stretch for me. Like it yeah. was a stretch for my brother. And so my thought was, and, and then when I was in New York, I realized like, you know, I was, I saw families, families at our church, like entire families living in apartments, you know, and them, there's a kid that would come to evening college and he worked at a gym, you know, making like 10 bucks an hour, you know, and, and he was part time, Mm. you know, like, and he's like 25 years old. I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, like, how do people live? Like, so, you know, so, so I wanted to create something, um, however imperfect, you know, like I'm not a PhD, you know, like, um, but I just weren't, but, but I, but I thought maybe, maybe I could create something that could help. You know, yeah. it, it could at least it could at least be a, a point of reference. And I'm not a PhD, but I can read Wayne Grudem. You yeah. know, like <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not a PhD, but but I can read PhD books and I can synthesize. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, I, I'm yeah. I, I'm not I've not become a I, I don't have a doctorate, but I, I I can you know read resources and commentaries and. Um, you know, I, I took yeah. Greek one and Greek two in my undergrad and, and I can luo, luis, lue, luam, luet, luisen, and I can, I can like figure this stuff out yeah. and, and, and help people. And, yeah. and so, um, 
so, you know, so, 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 so we, we don't claim to know everything. Yeah. And, and um, we don't, I don't claim to be some, some sort of scholar. I'm just passionate about seeing people who, who don't have access to theology get access to theology. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so that was for me, I just, I was just thinking to myself, man, how cool it would be if for a, for a McDonald's meal or the price of Netflix, people could just access abbreviated th- theology mm-hmm. um, and we could wet people's whistle, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then, and then the seminary began to, you know, became a vision where I was going, man, like um, when I was at Bible college, you know, there was a, there was just courses there that like, you know, uh, they, it was like, why? You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. half the time I was, I was bored to tears at Bible college yeah. half the time. And, you know, and, and then in, in, in classroom, you know, it was like the lowest common denominator was, was like, so for example, like classroom interaction, it was, that was always eaten up by people who had no clue. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. You'd, be, you'd be sitting there and you have a 45 minute lecture and 20 minutes of it are, you know, are somebody that just fell off of the turnip truck asking the prof like the dumbest questions ever you know like and you're you're paying for that right you know what i mean like yeah so my thought was what if we had a you know abbreviated lectures and but but and really really great lectures um and then i have a bunch of friends who are phds and and have done them divs and they teach it you know at various schools and begin to build out a program and change the, you know, the, the learning and change the, get it off of a semester grid and put more writing into it. I was just watching uh, a thing by Jordan Peterson the other day about how, man, like you need to learn how to, people need to learn how to write and writing mm-hmm. creates thinkers. And so mm-hmm. um, Theos Seminary is this thing where it's more emphasis on, on, on it's less, less emphasis on, on, on lectures. We still have lectures, lots yeah. of lectures, a ton of lectures, but less emphasis on lectures and more emphasis on, you know, reading the resources, yeah. doing yeah. homework, creating essays sort of like a Euro- some people call it like a european model like the, exactly yeah yeah. Um, yeah exactly so 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 that so that's kind of like that's the, and, and it's 99 bucks a month and yeah and um that's cheaper than any seminary i know totally and, and right now we're building out a um a master uh of arts and theological studies and uh which will be followed by a, a, a phd and the phd will be um there's three guys that are that are that are going to be um, wow three three PhDs that are going to be overseeing it, and it's going to be like the European model, and it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be really really fun. So so long story short, yeah, I'm just passionate about like, uh, and and then the other thing too is man, like you know, access changes, like whoever whoever creates access wins. So like the reason why, you know, people um, are people believe crazy stuff is because the public school system's free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like that's how secularism is, is winning, you know, the culture war right now because it's, it's accessible. Right. So, so my thought is, well, then I'm going to create something that's accessible too. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to teach, you know, you know, you know, I, and obviously this is probably a, a highly de- debated term, but historic, Christian orthodoxy, you know, yeah, like sure. you know, and, 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 and hopefully, you know, we can win that way. So, so that's, you know, yeah. I, 
that's the long and the short of yeah. well it's it's an amazing story and i'm so glad <laughs> to have heard it from you because you know i actually i actually came across you really um through um felicia masonheimer um who recommends you on her instagram all the time and i i was familiar with some of the other resources that are in that same vein of like right now media and some other like the netflix style like uh libraries but when i started looking into theos you i was like man this is i mean the the amount of content that you guys have put out is just never even mind the quality but the 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 sheer volume of it is 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 impressive but when people find out that the genesis of it came out of um not just a mega church but hillsong new york where um you know like there's a, there's a criticism, of course, of megachurches in general, and probably even if we're just being honest, specifically even a megachurch like Hillsong, where um, it's vapid, it's shallow. Um, some people would say, oh, you're not focused on discipleship. So I think some people are going to be surprised to hear that Theos, you and you, to a certain degree, got your start teaching high-level discipleship content, theological curriculum in the midst of a, of a quote unquote mega church. And you kind of even said you were an oddball. So what was that like then fitting this? We'll just go ahead and it's not, it's not that this type of education only belongs in a college, but we'll call it college level learning in the context of a culture that likely often was criticized of being shallow. How did that work? How was that like? Well, you know, so, 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 Hillsong has a college, you know, yeah. like, and um, there are, you know, I, I'm, I have a mad amount of respect for yeah. a number of, of guys there. Um, Robert Ferguson, to me, is yeah. just a, a, like, he's a, he's, he's an a epitome teacher. of a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant. Um, so, so teaching and Hillsong, like, they're not, they're not, um, you know, they're not, they're, they're not, they're not at odds, you know, like yeah. the, the church loves, you know, good Bible teaching, you know, Brian is, I think, uh, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's a conservative Pentecostal, um, yeah. you know, and he went, he went to a Bible college, you know, Pentecostal mm-hmm. Bible college. And so, um, but, but, but all that to say, um, what I meant, you know, by being an oddball was just that, you know, the, the, the church was, you know, Carl, Carl was very, um, he was, a, he's an evangelist. You know, like that, that is, that is, that is Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz is not a pastor. He's an evangelist, right? Like he, he loves people and he has a heart for people. And so, you know, Sunday mornings, you know, we're typically, it was, if Carl was preaching, it would, it would typically be, you know, a gospel message. Um, and, you know, there would be an altar call and, you know, and, and it was, it was, it was insane, dude. Like it was insane. You know, like it, if you brought your friend who you'd been praying for forever, mm-hmm. To, to hear Carl Lentz and their hand went up, you know, you'd be partying. Right. And like, that was the experience for so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was, he's just, you know, just anointed to, to do that. You know, I really, I really believe that, um, you know, not, notwithstanding obviously his personal problems, you know, but, obviously, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but all that to say, um, so, but, but they were aware, you know, of the giant back door, yeah. you know? So, so that's why, uh, you know, both Carl and Joel were going, we need mm-hmm. some, something systematic. Um, so I was a systematic guy, um, but I was an oddball because they, they weren't, you know, like mm-hmm. nobody else, nobody else. And like, I'm a, I'm a, I am an outspoken conservative. Yeah. Um, and, and they aren't, you mm-hmm. know, like, 
Um, so <laughs> yeah. it, it created like it was it was, you know, I, I'm I'm big on conclusions. They're big on conversation. I'm big on, um, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm big on 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 systematic structure, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of in, in terms of discipleship and and and. They, 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 I think that they they care about discipleship, and obviously the reason why they, they put me in was because mm-hmm. they care about discipleship. But it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't. I don't think it was like a major focus, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so all that to say, you know, uh, there are people like me, you know, at Hillsong Church, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are people who are passionate about discipleship, and there are people who are passionate about theology, and you know, Hillsong is a very large church, um, and 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 I think that that. Hillsong has lots of oddballs like me, you know, mm-hmm. like there's, um, it's a, it's a large enough organization. It's a large enough church that, mm-hmm. that really anybody can, can, can fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. Sean, Sean King could go to Hillsong church. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and, and Nathan Finocchio and, and me and Sean King could sit in a pew and worship mm-hmm. Jesus together. It's, it's a mm-hmm. big enough organization. And I think that that's probably a good thing, you know, yeah. like, um, so, but, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was well, and you, you allude to that. I mean, Sean King's a great example for those who don't know, um, uh, uh, very well known black lives matter activist outspoken in regards to deconstruction and decolonization specifically in regards to white supremacist culture and how it's affected American evangelicalism and so on and so on. And for those who don't know, I mean, if you type in Nathan Finocchio into Google, after you get past the SU, like you said, you are a really outspoken conservative. Um, and that's perhaps maybe one of the more interesting things to me about you is because here you are in the heart of coming out of Hillsong, New York, having, you know, uh, having this phenomenal presence online in this digital medium, um, speaking at churches that, you know, large and small, um, and your, your style of ministry, whether it's intentional or not, is, is really geared towards, um, or at least really attractive to a younger generation now coming up, um, I mean, we'll just say Gen Z, although I think that that gets uh, thrown around too much. But like, but just the idea that like, there's a younger generation that likes conclusions but wants to have a conversation, and I feel like the way that you're going about it with a creative ministry that uses humor that even sometimes can border on like um, sarcasm and not cynicism by any means. But it, so, what is it like doing ministry in that way? Whether it's digital, whether it's teaching in person. And, um, do you think it's important to, to be presenting yourself in that way right now as we're, you know, younger generations right now are looking at, like, let's just be honest. Most of the people who are as devoted to Bible study and education theologically as you are come out of of a reform tradition that is not going to attract as many questioners and young folk as, as maybe what you're doing at Theosu is. So what's the drive behind that? And is that like something that you're not that you're putting on by any means, but is that important to you? Yeah, man, like for sure. So uh, I, I was, I was shaped by <clears throat> GK Chesterton. Yeah. Um, probably what, probably one of my the greatest influences in my life. And your brother's um, like a Chesterton scholar, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he's, yeah. he's my brother is like uh, Gabe. Gabe's not just read Chesterton. Gabe's read all of Chesterton's friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so he, he's he reads Hilaire Belloc and, mm-hmm. and, and Christopher Dawson and, and um, you know, all those guys, Father Ronald Knox. And, yeah. And, 
Um, so his cohorts. But um, so so what I love about Chesterton uh, was his it was the incarnation of the man. It was like he uh, he was he was uh, the scope of his work is like he, he you know stories it's like lewis it's like mm-hmm. children's stories and and yeah. and space fiction and mm-hmm. and um and, and and apologetics and and so for me i'm going man i love that integration you know like and that's my the the goal of they ask you um you know like we we began as we began as a, as you know a netflix of theology and we're going to continue to do that until jesus comes back and and then we got Theos Seminary, and my goal for Theos Seminary is like total world domination, basically. Like, I want to make it so cheap and accessible to get killer theological education, and I want a scholarship. My 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 dream is to scholarship every pastor in the world for free. If you're right. a pastor, you can go and get your PhD with us for free. So that's and, and we're going to translate into like every language known to man. Like, so that's. Well, I want to scholarship pastors. So those are my dreams. But beyond that, we want to become like a media company and create all like literature and, you know, film and music and all that yeah. stuff. So like yeah. the full integration. So, yeah. so Chesterton to me um, and Lewis are guys that th- their, their worldview permeates everything that they do. Mm. And yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a giant struggle right now for the heart of Christendom. It's, it's, it's a struggle, and it's a we we obviously you, you see it in you see it in, in in culture, but it's it's also happening in the cult, you know. Like, and so th- that's really where I'm taking aim at. Like, my 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 aim is for the heart of of Christendom. I'm going, man. There's a there's a battle for our soul right now, and you know the whole deconstruction, like. All of that stuff is it's um, people are are questioning what does it mean to be a Christian? Yeah, and and how you know what I mean? Like even down even down to the epistemology, you know, mm-hmm. like you you know that it's like how do I how do I know how I know? Yeah, what it means to be a Christian, right? And so everything that we do, um, you know, the, the the reason why I the, the reason why I do everything is 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 it's a, it's it's all apologetic. It's mm-hmm. it's all trying to. And, and I don't, I'm not even necessarily saying that I, um, I, I know that there are, um, so for example, like David Campbell is a reformer. Mm-hmm. Okay. David, David, um, he's one of our faculty. He went to, uh, you know, he went, he, he did his PhD at Durham. Yeah. You know, the guy, the guy like reads German, Latin, mm-hmm. Hebrew, Greek, you know, he's, 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 and he's, and he's reformed as they come, right? Yeah, like right. capital C complementarian. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Gabriel, you know, yeah. who is essentially Catholic. Um, <laughs> and, um, so, but I think, but I think what I'm trying to say is, is like, the, so put, put, I, Christianity, um, there are there are variances, um, and there are obvious there are obvious variances within Christendom that that you know outside of the twelve articles of, of faith, mm-hmm. you know the Apostles' Creed. Like there's you know 
we believe in baptism, but how do we baptize? Yeah, right. You know, what infants or adults? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm okay. I'm not trying to create some sort of like, I'm not trying to define necessarily, you know, what exact Christianity or, mm-hmm. or what exact Christian methodology yeah. people need to be. But I'm trying to bring in, I'm trying to create something where it's consistent with like yeah. what medieval theologians or the reformers or St. Augustine recognize yes, this Christianity. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and which I mean, what yeah, what we're trying to when you're talking about Chesterton and Lewis, and then you're talking about like, because really you're talking about mere Christianity. That's what Lewis, of course, is referring to when he's when yeah. he uses that term that everybody's so familiar with. They think it's just the title of a book, but he's right. just it's a it's a fun way of saying Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. Um, so really what we're talking about in specifically regards to a younger generation who is in the midst of being told right now that they need to deconstruct their faith, which yeah. is nice in theory. Um, the idea of do we actually know what we believe? Is that theory based, you know, is that belief based off of the actual scripture? Is it some cultural understanding? But really, society is beginning to turn it into stop being a Christian. Um, right. You know, and, and we're beginning to, you know, deconstruction is no longer um, deconstruct a cultural bias. It means just stop being a Christian. But so, what, really, what you're talking about is that those guys, Chesterton and Lewis and Tolkien, and these these were, these are like Renaissance guys. I mean, obviously, it wasn't in the Renaissance, but like it's a new way of thinking. And yeah. so, are you saying like whether it's a younger generation or American evangelicalism or what what have you, is we see it, we we sort of need a new way of looking at this. In I like what you said there at the end is like would Augustine would Lewis even recognize what what is being said to be Christianity right now? And I would yeah. be willing to guess that you would say that the Christianity that's being called progressive Christianity is heading down a path where we would say Lewis and Augustine would have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a thousand percent. When I, when I read, um, and, and, and so that, that for me is, for example, um, like for example, um, there are there are Trojan horse churches, and um, and I, I, I like for example like the whole the whole DEI mm-hmm. thing. Okay, um, I think that that's a Trojan horse. It's mm-hmm. an epistemological Trojan horse, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, it's it it will unravel mm-hmm. um epistemology yeah and epistemology is like like <laughs> the church is supposed to be sane right mm-hmm. like so mm-hmm. so augustine wouldn't recognize dei training and the epistemology that comes right that. so and for listeners we mean diversity equity and inclusion yeah um so okay so let's just say then like augustine you know um who who himself um would have dealt with racism and prejudice, right? So why then would you, right, exactly. So (laughs) it would be easy then to say, no, Augustine, in fact, would love DEI, right? Because he he would want people to understand that being from North Africa is not, you know, a bad thing and that he's equal. So why then would you say that Christians should should fight against being dragged towards a progressive mindset where we are taught to deconstruct, taught to do DEI, specifically even using Augustine there. Like, I mean, to, to the liberal, to the progressive, they would say, no, he'd be the first person who would love that. 
Yeah, because because well, you'd have to read how how Augustine, you know, dealt with the Donatists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like there was literally a uh, a class of of black Christians in North Africa who had who had who had broke away and 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 created a faction from the church because of an, of an offense mm-hmm. that they had, you know, under the you know the, the persecution of Diocletian. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that to say, how did he deal with their offense? Mm-hmm. And how did he you know what I mean? Like yeah. he didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't validate it. You mm-hmm. know in fact he told them look like you you uh you've been wounded but you've allowed your wound now to become your identity mm-hmm. and yeah. you've allowed your wound uh to to fester into um into into a bitterness and now it's you know it's it's eating you alive and so he he called them to you know to to leave that mm-hmm. leave your bitterness leave your unforgiveness and you need to you know what i mean like it, yeah. and so yeah so 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 he, he, all you need to do is is read him mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. read read how he treated and and talk to the donatists and then you realize man this guy would absolutely categorically reject um you know a lot of of what's yeah. coming out of diversity, equity, and inclusion trainers, and so, so all that to say, you know, and, and then like these de- these definitions of justice, um, you know, that they're not, they, they wouldn't. Aquinas would would be like this: this is not reasonable, mm-hmm. and reason is a kind of a big deal, especially <laughs> um, to Aquinas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no Thomist is is going to recognize yeah. Christianity that is that is flirting with. Yeah this you know mm-hmm. with standpoint epistemology yeah. so like you know so you can't you can't have it both ways mm-hmm. how do you disciple people into uh responsibility when their epistemology is that they are not responsible for anything how do you yeah man that's it right that's it right there yeah wow so so that's that's kind of um th- this this whole thing you know um Deconstruction and, and critical theory are all tied to postmodern epistemology. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the and self. No one, and no one would argue with that. Like even the yeah. proponents of it, they would say, and you saying that as a pejorative, they would probably claim that as a no, good thing. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. They, they'd go, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> we have, yes. We believe that uh, that objectivity is impossible. Yeah. Um, and because of that, we reject anybody's claims of objectivity. Mm-hmm. There is no Christian world, you know. You probably hear. I've heard, you know, Christian talking heads say that there's no such thing as a Christian worldview. I'm just like, right, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know, like makes sense um, pretty t- tough. Totally, be- because their because their big idea, obviously, is that you know, destroy the meta narratives, mm-hmm, destroy mm-hmm. the meta narratives because uh, they were they're, they're just they're just tools of, of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so so all that to say, like, yeah. C.S. Lewis would not recognize what churches are bringing, are importing into their organizations. Augustine would not recognize it. Aquinas, like the patristics, the medieval scholars, the reformers would not recognize it. And I, I, um, so all that to say, yeah, like this is a major reason why we're, we've created to ask you is because yeah. I was living in ground zero and watching yeah. these things happen in New York. And I was going, oh, my God. 
like, it, 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 as, as far as I'm concerned, Hillsong New York City became an activist club. Mm. And wow. particularly the last two years. Wow. And, you know, like, and, and it stopped being a church. Mm. Um, and, and I'll go on the record as saying that, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and it, it wouldn't like, no, uh, I think a church needs to be big enough that a Democrat and a Republican can both come and worship Jesus and sit beside each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody who is a conservative would, would be able to go to that church. People, people that were conservatives on staff were, were regularly mocked publicly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just one of those things where I was just like, this is, you know, and this was, this was three years ago when, you know, when I left, yeah. I was just, that was kind of, kind of obviously part of, part of my, my frustration. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, it was the, um, I'm thankful for it because it, it put a fire, it lit a fire under me to yeah. go and create, you know, Theos right. and, yeah. and, and Theos Seminary. Yeah, well, and obviously, such you know, a huge part of the philosophy behind Theos U and Seminary is that the words and teachings of Jesus—not not theological education or getting a PhD, although that stuff is great—but the words and teachings of Jesus is the foundation to build our lives. Um, but you said earlier, you know, like you're a conclusions guy, not a conversation. You didn't say that, but you like conclusions. Um, and so then, you know, you and I—I uh, I mean still relatively young. Uh, you know, you have a great mantle to speak to all sorts of Christians, but th- like I've said already, like the way that you do things and even the background at the places you've served lends you to having a greater voice with a generation that is, is falling victim to some of these uh, false ideologies. So yeah. then what do you say then is the conclusion? I mean, we can say all we want, just preach the gospel, but the reality is like, Hey, the gospel is the answer to the cries from the DEI and the CRT crowds and and everything else. So, so what do we do? You know I mean? We obviously can't just like you said, I love the heart. Hey, our churches should be a place for Democrats and Republicans. You said Hillsong, New York, wasn't that, but a lot of our small town conservative churches aren't that either. A liberal would feel very, very much uh, ostracized and disenfranchised. So what do we do? What do the next 10, 15 years look like of ministering in such a way to, mm-hmm. to show people, hey, the gospel is the answer to this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that you know, you, 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 you know, you, you're, you're right. There are there are churches that that <laughs> Democrats, um, you know, there, there's just it's partisanship. Yeah. Um, and. And you know, from the pulpit, like it's always, you know, there's 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 mockery of the president, which, you know, you know, uh, Carl did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it bothered me to no end. I mean, I remember him making fun of the Nashville statement. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, dude, have you even read it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, so so if a Republican, uh, you know, is making fun of Joe Biden, you know, from the pulpit and stuff like that, like it's just. Uh, I understand. I understand it when people go, "Man, we need to," you know, "we need to believe God." Um, I, I, you know, obviously, faith that works is dead. So, so I, I don't have a problem with with critiquing policy. You know, 100%. like it's our duty. You know, yeah. So, you know, talking about abortion. I mean, I was at um, I attended. Uh, don't tell anybody this, but I uh, I attended uh, Catholic Mass for Easter. And mm-hmm. I, I actually try to go to mass as often as I can. I, I love it. 
Um, I'm fascinated by uh, the Latin right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's just something ancient to it, and mm-hmm. and um, and I'm, I'm just a I'm, I'm just a learner. You know, like mm-hmm. so I, I love. It. Anyway, so long story short, you know, the the priest at, at uh, my local parish uh, in Palm Desert, Sacred Heart. You know, he every time he talks, he prays uh, at, the, at the end of mass. He always prays after Eucharist for uh, that 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 uh, abo- that abortion will end. Right. Yeah. Every single time. And I know for a, like guaranteed like that most of, of the crowd is Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a Catholic church, you yeah. know, like. Yeah. But uh, but I love that. I love that, that he, he, he goes, hey, you know. And then this, this is hilarious. He goes, okay, let us pray. Well, Father, we, we pray, you know, for the, for the unborn. We pray, Lord, that, um, that, the polit- that politicians would put an end to the genocide of the unborn. And, Lord, I pray that everybody in the church would be convicted um, and live responsibly and get vaccinated. And they would see it as their moral duty. And I'm going, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, there's that, those, those are two points that cannot live and cannot coexist together yeah. but this priest is a boss you know like 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 every republican would be like yes to the abortion and yeah. no to the no to the vaccine mm-hmm. like um isn't so that the beautiful I, I, thing I just, that's the beautiful thing about the church is that yeah. like we can i mean and and you can say what you will about the whole i know that there's a lot of people who don't like the vaccine whatever we're not talking about that now but like you yeah. know just is that he doesn't feel bound to appease anybody you know like that's that's kind of the whole point you know is like you know is that like and that's that's what we're talking about with this ancient faith that augustine and would recognize is that they said the reason you know and remember my name is because i didn't care what anybody else thought i just was trying to serve and honor and please my lord you know yeah 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 yeah. so so that's 100 percent, man so my, my heart is just like uh my my heart is is for a church that is, uh, Chesterton said that he was he was conservative and progressive. He was he had roots uh, that were deep in the earth, and mm. and he had you know uh, bows that, that that spread out to the stars. Mm. You know, so so uh, I, I my prayer is for a church uh, that is increasingly ecumenical. Um, that you know that that uh, in the sense of. We, there's our turning back, uh, kind of a, a renaissance, you know, like a, a turning back to uh, the ancient faith and the ancient paths, and um, that, that's that's really good for for charismatics and Pentecostals yeah. and evangelicals, you know, to to go look. The, part of the reason why we believe this, you know, I, I'm a I'm a prima scriptura guy. I'm not a solo scriptura guy, you know. Like I I see that, you know, increasingly so, and you know, especially in, in light of of um, the, the crisis of authority that uh, we need to the, the, the scripture is, is is primary, but we need to, re- to interpret uh, together if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And so you know, like I just don't know if I, I'd make I'd make I'm I'm like I'm like a horrible reformer, you know, in the sense that like I just don't know if the smartest mm-hmm. guy in the room is the authority anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, like, you know, like, who's the best exegete? Because I'll just believe it. You know what it's like? Mm-hmm. I just, you know, so so for me, I'm just going, man, um, we need a we need a, an anchored historic church, and we need a gospel-centered church. I love that gospel language, you know, like, um, you know, but, but 
but the gospel isn't, uh, the gospel, the gospel is about Jesus um, and in the kingdom, you know, but it, and it has implications, you know, but the gospel is not social justice. The gospel is not, a, you know, the gospel is not anti-abortion, but the gospel has implications. You know what I mean? Like, so we have to define what the gospel is and keep Jesus at the center of it. Keep, keep like the worship of God as the primary reason or primary existence of the church, you know, and, and not make it, you know, like the primary existence of the church is social justice, you know, like, mm-hmm. no, the primary existence of the church is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. You know, right, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the primary to worship the Lord, equip believers and reach the world, you know, in mm-hmm. that order, don't mm-hmm. get it out of order. So that's, that's the main thrust of everything that we're doing. And I think that if, if the if churches can rally around the gospel and defining the gospel, define the, the you know the gospel of the kingdom, and recognize the, the purpose of the church and keep those things in order, then Republicans and Democrats can go to church together. Yeah, you know, like, um, but if we put those things out of order, you know, and and both sides do it, yeah, you know, like, then Republicans and Democrats can't go to church together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah. Well, and and Nathan, I mean, before I let you go, I feel like I just got to tell you that's one of the things that I love about you and and what you guys are doing with the ICU and and just even like your personal social media because, um, for a listener who hasn't already, go follow Nathan and the ICU. The beautiful thing about you and what you're doing is that eventually everybody's going to find themselves with their toes getting stepped on, whether they're conservative, liberal, uh, high church, low church, charismatic cessationist i mean everybody's gonna get ticked when they follow you at some point which to me (laughs) says you're doing you're doing something right and so uh i really appreciate i appreciate your time and i appreciate the conversation we'll have to do it again and for listeners um definitely go check out the isu and and seminary because if you haven't heard us say it the key or one of the keys to fighting against some of the plagues that we're seeing in our society is understanding um building your house on the rock of Jesus and his word. And so, uh, so Nathan, thanks for everything you're doing. And thanks for, for making time for this today, brother. My pleasure, man. Thank you.